You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Well, by the way, if you want to get your Bible turned to number 12 is where I'll start. We'll be a lot of doing a lot of page turning, but I want to talk, just remind you of, of, of these, looking at the, our core values, just to read through these once again, our purpose slash mission statement. Uh, the unchanging long-term vision for Elk Point Baptist Church. Um, I would like to get these in everyone's hand, and eventually, I really would like to actually have these um, on the walls in some places uh, when we get to the core values and everything. But number one, the purpose. The unchanging long-term vision for Elk Point Baptist Church. Number one, it starts with the purpose. Elk Point Baptist Church exists to help people find life in Jesus Christ and discover abundant life through his word. Now, again, that's the, that's the answer to this question. We invite people to church, and but if somebody is to ask, I think it's a good follow-up question to say, why should I go to church? Why should I go to church? And I feel like people in this church would have a pretty good answer for that, uh, or actually probably an excellent answer for that. But I think a concise answer for that could be found in our mission statement, in our purpose there. to help. If, if we're trying to help people find life in Jesus Christ and discover abundant life through his word, then the answer would be, you should come here because, man, through the gospel, you can find life and life abundant, a full life. Uh, you can really live, uh, and, and you, you get that message here. And that's one of the reasons why I'm interested in, you know, I mentioned it some time ago, and several people shared testimonies, but, uh, but even having people that would be willing to do a video testimony that we could put on social media, put on the website, take some pictures of some people of how that you've either found life and or abundant life through Jesus Christ uh, here. Uh, and again, that's not just trying to promote the church, it's trying to promote what we're doing as a church, which is trying to get people to Christ, preaching the gospel. Uh, Loving God fervently, loving God fervently, loving God begins in the heart with a personal relationship with him. So as as a church, we love God fervently. As we gather and participate in Christ-honoring worship services and respond to the preaching of God's word, this love flourishes. Mark 12, 30 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. So we love God fervently. We love others faithfully. We love by sharing the gospel with those who need the Lord. Through witnessing to friends, co-workers, neighbors, and loved ones, and giving to missions. (coughs) As a church, our mission is to reach the world with the gospel of Christ, beginning with our community. We want to utilize every available biblical means, and we want to disciple and train every member to participate in accomplishing our church purpose, church's purpose. Living the abundant life fruitfully. So loving God fervently, loving others faithfully, living the abundant life fruitfully. Our lives are transformed through the study and practice of God's Word. This occurs in our weekly services, in our smaller connection groups, and in one-on-one discipleship. We flourish as we find a place of ministry in the local body. And then our core values, quickly. Um, 
Number one, we are gospel-centered. We're gospel-centered. Can somebody give me an example of what it means to be gospel-centered? Any thoughts on that? Gospel-centered. Well, I'll just read it here. The person and work of Jesus Christ is at the heart of all we do. Gospel-centered. Um, Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So we're gospel-centered in the sense that not only does that mean that, we're sharing, that we share the gospel, but really that verse is saying that we should live by the gospel. Our, the, the church's testimony ought to be an example of the, of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know, you think about the sacrifice of Christ, the love of Christ, the resurrection power of Christ. Everything we do centers on the gospel. Number two, we are Bible-based. This means that God's word is the sole authority for faith and practice. We would rather be biblical than popular. I like that statement. We would rather be biblical than popular. The word, the word of God is non-negotiable. The Bible says in Acts 5.29, we ought to obey God rather than men. Uh, if you know me, you know that I believe tradition and the way we've always done it is negotiable. But the word of God is non-negotiable. Uh, that's something that we will not change. Uh, we are uh, gospel-centered. Number two, these are our core values. Number two, we are Bible-based. Number three, we love people where they are. Luke 7.34, Jesus is said to be a friend of publicans and sinners. John 20, verse 21, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And, uh, you know, we say this a lot, but it's good to be reminded of. Um, there's a, can I, one of the things that I think, you know, you say, preacher, you get into Sunday school, this is significant, I believe, and we're, I believe we're probably learning something. But there's a, there's a word that we use a lot around here, but maybe people get tired of it. But I'm just, the word is balance, balance, right? Because anytime you're even talking about one thing, there's always another scale to it, right? Because, uh, you know, I, one of our core values is that we love people where they are. Why? Because Jesus did. That's a, that's a part of being gospel-centered. Jesus was a friend of publicans and sinners. And then Jesus said, as, as, as the Father sent me, so, I, so send I you. What's that mean? That means we're supposed to be friends of publicans and sinners. Publicans and sinners liked being around Jesus. Right? And he liked being around them. But that does, but, but that does not throw out that, number one, Jesus Christ was not drinking it up and partying it up with these people. He was not condoning their sins. He was not, he was not comforting them in their, their destructive ways. No. He separated that, and he saw them as people he, he loved and cared about. So uh, loving people where they are, it doesn't mean that we, you know, violate biblical separation. But again, I want to emphasize a word there, biblical separation. Because, again, with separation, there's a balance. Some people take separation to the umpth degree. And the only time that we step out of our, the ivory tower of our uh, holy lives is just to tiptoe and get close, but not too close to some filthy, stinky sinner and say, Hey, Jesus loves you. Would you like to get saved? Uh, well, no, I'm not sure if I want to get saved. Okay, uh, uh, well, we'll pray for you. Then, 
Where's hand sanitizer? Hear what that person said? Did you see what that? No, that, that's an extreme. So we love people where they are, but it doesn't mean that we participate in sinful deeds or anything. But I think the main thing it does is it shows that Jesus values people for who they are. You know, there's an old song that says, he, he looked beyond my fault and saw my need. And when we see people for souls for whom Jesus died, when we see people, the worst of people, as people whom Jesus died on the cross for and desperately wants to see them saved, when we see people that way, it helps us to love them. And even if they don't receive our message, you know what? We still care about them. We don't cut them off because, well, my hands are free of that blood. Never going to speak to them again. Did my part. That's not the goal. The goal is to win. So you love people where they are. And then, uh, number four, core value, we grow together. Just as the New Testament church in the book of Acts was focused on making disciples, so are we. The Bible says, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Acts 2, 46 through 47 uh, fifthly, I'll say quickly, we enjoy serving Jesus. We've talked about this one lately. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is the product of obedience. Joy is the outflow of balance. So through the fruit of the Spirit, we serve. We're gifted to serve. Joy is the product of obedience. God calls us to do something, and we do it. Is it always easy to do what God tells you to do? It's not. It's not always easy. It's not always comfortable. Uh, and, if you, and if you've ever got the idea that, uh, that God is overly concerned with your comfort zone, you're, uh, you may be mistaken. Because God's more concerned with your growth. And, giving, and bestowing on you the blessings He had planned for you before He ever made you. And staying in your comfort zone is going to keep you from getting those things. I'm saying all that to say... When we talk about serving Jesus, there is commitment involved. There is duty involved. There is showing up when you don't want to and when you don't feel like it and when you don't feel led. Right? People love doing that because it's hard to argue against that, isn't it? Well, I just feel led. But you've got to ask the question, well, who's leading you? <laughs> led by whom? But I feel led of the Lord that I just, you know, I, I don't need to serve anymore because... It really bothered me when I showed up for something I was trying to do and nobody was there, or two people was there. So I just don't feel led to do this anymore, preacher. Yeah, but you, really? What, what made God change his mind? Well, the fact that two people came, preacher, made God change his mind about it. Or the fact that I'm a little discouraged this week made God change his mind about what he's taught me to do. You see what I'm saying? So when we enjoy serving Jesus, that doesn't mean... The first thing that comes along, we just throw it out the window because joy is a product of obedience, but it is also, joy is also an outflow of balance. And that's the idea of, you know what? Um, this is not the case at this church, and I'm glad for it. Uh, we've got a better percentage of this, but there's an old saying that says that 10% of the people do 90% uh, of the work in the average church. 10% of the people do 90% of the work in the average church. Uh, our numbers are better than that. Our numbers are much better than that. But still, 
I don't know if we could say that 90% of the people are doing 90% of the work yet, right? I don't think we can say that. Um, so what does that mean? That means sometimes, you know, I, I tease, uh, you ever notice this? Who do you call on to do something normally? A lot of times you usually call on somebody that's busy. You ever notice that? When you need something done, you usually find somebody that's busy. Because there's something about busy people that just seems like they're people that get stuff done. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of the case to where a lot of times the same people get called on because they're the dependable people. They're the active people. They're the willing people. Um, but at the same time, you know, especially coming from me, I try to encourage people. Sometimes I'll even say, hey, before I even ask the question, I'll say, hey, I want you to say no to this. I don't want you to say no or I wouldn't even ask you, but understanding that, I want you to understand that if you really don't feel like you can take this on right now, say, I just can't do that now, Pastor. Uh, don't feel obligated just because you're being asked to do something or whatever. Uh, so serve the Lord with gladness. Come, in, come before his presence with singing, all right? Then lastly, uh, we live by faith. Where God guides, he will provide. God is able, God can. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Folks, this church was founded by faith. God has blessed this church because we have done what we've done by faith. Um, you know, from, from God calling us here to the establishing of the church to us staying here by faith. In other words, it don't always add up. But we follow the Lord and we watch the Lord bless. That, the church was founded on that, and so that's also a continuing uh, church. All right. Uh, any questions or comments on that? Okay. Uh, well, I, I want to share just a few thoughts with you this morning uh, in the just a few minutes that we have left today. And uh, I want to begin by looking at Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2 to begin with. These verses are verses that God truly used to change my life. God truly used to, to change my life, these verses. One of my mentors, John Melton, he, uh, he pastored for many, many years in China Grove, North Carolina at Tabernacle Baptist Church. He just stepped down just a few months ago after many, many years of faithful service there. But uh, these are verses he would use very on a, on a regular basis to challenge people with their service to God. And in Romans 12, here's what it says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And present there basically just means to place at God's disposal. God, you just do with me what you want to do. All right? Uh, and so th that's the first challenge, right? Present your bodies to God, no strings attached. Present your life to God, no strings attached. Uh, has anybody ever found that a challenge? Does anybody still find that a challenge? I sure do. Because what we're going to see in just a moment is that the determining factor on whether or not that we give our lives to God, lock, stock, and barrel, as the old saying says, 
no strings attached, no holds barred, and we just say, Lord, here, I'll do what you want me to do. Uh, you know, but what we do, right? Lord, I'll do what you want me to do as long as it don't involve speaking. Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do as long as it don't involve leaving the country. I'm, I'm in, Lord. Well, isn't the Lord just got to be so, so proud of that? Um, no, Jesus came and gave it all. And he's trying to encourage us to give it all. And he's trying to encourage us to trust him. And I say that, but I'm telling you, I have struggled with that. It, it was, when, when I surrendered, God doesn't work in the way to where he says, God's challenging you to surrender. Okay, Lord, you know, like we're working on a contract. We're talking, it kind of goes back to the living by faith principle. Okay, God, uh, man, Lord, I really appreciate all you've done for me. I really want to do something for you, Lord. I think that's the desire of anybody that's saved by God's grace. But then we come to God and say, okay, Lord, so just give me an idea of, of, of what it is that you want me to do. God did not tell me when I began asking this question, you know, many years ago, uh, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to send you to South Dakota, and don't worry, I, I know you got some fears about South Dakota, uh, and you've not heard much about South Dakota at all, but, but don't worry, because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you here for so many years, after a couple years, it's, you're going to have a really rough patch, but it's okay, because then I'm going to bless, and, and then, then I'm going to bless and, and get things going again in the right direction, and then I'm going to send you down to uh, Vermilion. That's where I thought I was coming all those years. So let me say what I, to, to keep with my story, I'm going to send you to Elk Point. Where's that at, Lord? Let me get my, you know, atlas out. And, and then, and, and here's what I'm going to do, just step by step by step by step by step. We think it would be nice if God would work that way. But it wouldn't be. For, our, for us it would be, but God has a better plan. God knows better. So, so when I surrender to God... I was 90-something percent surrendered. But guess what I heard back from God on that? Crickets. You know what, 90%, 95%, pretty good. Okay, Jesse, I know you're scared. That it, and why was, why was it only 90-something? Because of what I said. What if God calls me here? What if God sends me there? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Can we put that in, in, in different terminology? Uh... Lord, I don't trust you with this. I don't trust you with that. The other thing, I, I can't trust you with this stuff, Lord. Now, that's not what I'm actually saying, but what am I saying? All right? So here I am surrendering to God. Uh, you know, Lord, whatever you want me to do. It wasn't until, to the best of my knowledge, I got in the altar and surrendered it all to the Lord it wasn't until then that God began to, you know, and really even then it was incrementally, uh, help me there, incrementally, close enough, uh, little by little, show me, reveal, Evan says, Dad, quit trying to use those words, you're trying to sound smart, you just sound dumber, somebody say amen, um, thank you, then, uh, but I like vocabulary and I like trying to learn and I just experiment sometimes when I probably shouldn't, but, uh, but the point is, is that it was just slowly God began to reveal these things to me. Uh, he revealed the woman that, and, and, and the girl that he wanted me to marry. You know, he revealed these little things along the way uh, as, as I went. Uh, but, the, but the point is that I had to be willing to surrender all. I had to be willing to put my all on the altar 
even though God may call me to another country to go to. Even though God may call me to the Midwest, which honestly I didn't want to go to. Uh, you know, if you would have just asked me, I'd be like, no thanks. That sounds lame. How exciting is that? You know, I've, I've got, I know people that are going to, you know, the, the 1040 window, you know, out to the, to the Middle East, and, and, and we're going into the jungles where nobody's heard the gospel. Preacher, where are you going? I'm going to farm country. Woo! Hey, but let me tell you something. Now, in retrospect, I say, woo, going to farm country, amen? Going to the small towns. I'm going to rural America. People still yawn when I tell them that, but I don't yawn, amen. I'm excited about it. I really am. But the point that I'm just simply trying to make is, can I encourage you today? I'm still a guy. I told you I still struggle with this because this isn't, this isn't a once and for all thing. I believe it has to start somewhere. You need to come to a point in your life, you know, and I know many of you have seen the illustration, but I, I've used it in youth meetings oftentimes to where, you know, the example I give is when I take a piece of paper and I lay it on the altar and I say, uh, okay, here's a blank, blank sheet of paper and what I'm willing to do is, Lord, this is my contract for service with you. When, where, how, with whom, for how long, this is, this is my contract, but here it is. God, I'm going to go ahead and sign it at the bottom. The rest I'm leaving blank. And I'm letting you fill in. And if, you, if we could just get a grasp of how much God loves us and cares for us, and uh, how, in, I mean, just the magnitude of his care for us and his plan for our lives, well, it makes it a lot less scary to put our lives into God's hands. So anyway, that's where this starts with. And, and my life was forever changed by the principles of Romans 12, verse 1, to begin with. Any, uh, any thoughts, comments on that? Surrendering? What are you scared of? You don't have to answer that. Uh, but what, what would you be scared of? But here's the thing you've got to know. Whatever it might be, God's going to enable you. And believe me, I've got to remind myself of that on a daily basis. Because there's, there's nothing that God's ever called me to do. And I'm talking about just from the... Because in this verse, the Bible talks about the perfect will of God, all right? In other words, every one of us, there's a, there's a general will of God for every one of our lives. Read the Bible. That applies to every last one of us. That speaks to every last one of us. But considering our spiritual gifts especially, there's a perfect will of God for our lives. In other words, I believe there is the right person for me to marry. And I thank God every day for my wife. I don't know... I really hate to think where I'd be without my wife. And I, and, and I mean that in so many ways because, uh, I don't know, man. I just know uh, a lot of women that would not stay away from home. I'll just say it that. Whether it's the Midwest, whether it's another country, doesn't matter. They're not staying away from uh, their home. I know a lot of women that as soon as things got tough, and I say I know a lot because liter I literally know a lot. I've seen a lot. They're done. They're going back home. This is hard. Uh, I didn't ask to be a pastor's wife. I didn't ask to be a missionary's wife. Uh, you know, and, and let me tell you something, just so I can communicate on Melanie's behalf. Uh, 
she, she, she speaks often of how blessed we are just like I do. She, she, I believe it was just a week or two ago that we were having a conversation and she just mentioned, Jesse, can you, can you imagine if you could have told, you know, the, the young Jesse and Melanie, if you could have told, if, if, God, if somebody would have told them that this is where we would be and these are the people that we would know, these are the people that we'd be laboring with, these are the people that we'd be caring about. She was like, can you even imagine? We wouldn't have believed it. But that doesn't mean it's easy being a pastor's wife, especially if, you're, if, if the pastor is also me, because then you've got to be married to me, then on top of that, I'm a pastor. But, we, but, but there's a lot that don't ask for that. But, but I believe that God's got a perfect will. It's God's perfect will of God for me to preach. It's God's perfect will of God for me to go to pier. It was God's perfect will for me to come back and turn around and come to Elk Point. God's perfect will. I mean, absolutely, this is, I can tell you, I can stand before you today saying, this is why I, I, am, I am fulfilling the purpose for why I'm on this earth today. Now, am I fulfilling that in full? Uh, no, I don't believe I am. Like, in other words, I know that uh, I've not arrived yet, amen? Uh, the Apostle Paul said it this way, I have, I have not apprehended yet. I have not laid hold on the fullness of what God has for me and all I need to be for him. But I can tell you the perfect will of God. And you find that in verse 2. But I want to just encourage you. But where does it go? And then I'm going to have to leave it here. But verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this, this is really where I was trying to get to. Uh, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and here it is, and perfect, Will of God. Uh, are you a conformer or a transformer? Did you know that this was part of the topic last week with Ryan when he talked about Psalm 1? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, or standeth in the way of the sinful, nor sitteth in the seat of scorn, scorners. So he's, he, he's not walking in the counsel of those who are not taking God into account. You're not being a conformer, but you're being a transformer. How? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. What's it say right here? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. How are we going to be transformed? How will you ever get to a place? Because how will you ever get to a place where you could sign a blank piece of paper and give it back to God and say, Lord, you just fill in the details. I'm good with whatever. How can you get to that place? Well, you've got, to get to, you've got to start getting your mind renewed. You've got to quit conforming to the thoughts of this world uh, and, and thoughts of the ungodly. And remember, the ungodly aren't always on the extreme wicked level. You know, one of the strictest definitions of ungodly really does come down to just people who don't take God into account. Smart people. Good people. Sweet people. But their counsel doesn't involve God. Oh no, as a wife, as a husband, as an individual, you should never do this or you should always do that. You've got to stop and say, says who? Is that what God said? We were raised in certain ways. The, 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 the thing that we, that the, the battle, the, listen, spiritual warfare. Yes, there's a sense in which spiritual warfare is fought in the heavens. But I'm telling you, the spiritual warfare that we face is fault in our minds. Therefore, we need to have transformed minds. 
renewed mind. Transformed is beautiful. It's, it's, the, it's the Greek word metamorphosis is the word there. It's a caterpillar changing into an unrecognizable form. <laughs> That's something, isn't it? Hey, you ever run into somebody from a long time ago and they don't recognize you? Now, I don't mean they don't recognize you by looking at you, but they don't, they don't recognize you by the, way that, by, by the way you act. God transforms you. Amen? Ron, you're just a beautiful butterfly that's been transformed. Amen? I mean, listen, transformed by the... Re- it's metamorphosis. It's the tadpole turning into a frog, you know, just right on down the line. In other words, God can do such a work in your mind that your mind is transformed. You are transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. The renewing there has to do with... We can, we can uh, uh, understand this one recently with the work that we've been doing at the church, renovation. Renew. Take some old stuff down, put some new stuff in. How are we, and, and how are we going to do this? By the renewing of our mind, folks, it's through the Word of God. Our thoughts, see, the world is trying to influence us and in our mind from the outside. God is trying to influence us. The Holy Spirit of God is trying to influence us from the inside. And in 2 Corinthians 10, the Bible speaks about you know, bringing every thought to the captivity of Christ, which simply means this. We need to filter not only the thoughts that we think on a daily basis, but we need to filter these established thoughts that we have, have had for years also through the Word of God. There's a lot of us, we're still thinking based on thinking that was ingrained in us by our parents. That is not godly. That was not biblical. That is not scriptural. We need to stop sometime and say, why do I do that? Why do I say that? Why do I think that? How does that compare to the Word of God? And when it does not compare, and when it's contrary to the Word of God, the Bible says we need to tear down every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. So spiritual warfare is the idea of Satan, demonic forces that are trying to bombard our minds. I think it would be interesting. I'm about to stop right here. But I think it'd be very interesting if we could just press pause on where we are right now and say, okay, guys, now up on the screens, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have an image starting on this side of the room, going all the way across. We're going we're to actually let everybody look into the spiritual realm, and we're going to be able to see the thoughts that demonic forces were trying to get on your mind as we sat here this morning. Do you know there's not anybody in here that wouldn't have something to put up there since we started today? Every one of us. Thoughts. Things. But so it's, it's, what I'm trying to tell you is it's, it's, a, it's a constant battle, but it's a battle that can be won. And uh, I get, there's a lot that we could say about that, but for sake of time, I'm going to stop. But one thing that we do need to know for sure and, and that matters for sure. There's so many reasons that we're always trying to get people in the Word of God. There's so many reasons why right now the kids in Sunday school are hearing the Word of God. Because they've been hearing a bunch of stuff that's not the Word of God all week. Uh, right? Um, there's, they've been having a lot of other influences all week. Um, we all have. We're in here hearing the Word of God. We get together a little bit. Listen, you know what we're going to do? Uh, listen to the songs we sing. There's a... Every song we sing, you ought to hear something about the Word of God in those songs. Because it's trying to influence your thinking. 
in a, in a positive way. It's, it's trying to, the Holy Spirit working to influence our minds toward God. And then we're going to preach the Word of God. And then we're going to say, hey, I hope you get back on your Bible plan. Start reading your Bible. Oh, yeah, I'm doing good, preacher. I'm reading a verse a day. Uh, well, let me tell you something. That's a whole lot better than nothing. But I'm looking around in here this morning, and I think I can pause and challenge the people I see in here this morning to say, you can do more than that. You can do more than that. Don't have time. I mean, the average chapter takes, what, three minutes? Three minutes? Four minutes? Get in the Word, man. Stop and ask a question. If you do do one verse, break down that verse. Find out the meaning of the words in those verses. Get in the Word of God, because what that will do, it will empower you to begin to be transformed. It will empower you to be uh, transformed rather than being conformed, all right? All right. Well, if you've got any questions or comments, we'll have to get them later. Thank you so much. We'll try to pick back up on some of this next week. Uh, be thinking, praying about it. In the meantime, let's have a closing word of prayer. Father, help us, dear God, as indeed we do face the battle for the mind. We've done it for the last hour. We're about to go into another 10, 15 minutes of spiritual warfare before the service. Then we'll be launching into about another hour of spiritual warfare after that. And then we'll go out into our lives and continue with the spiritual warfare. Help us to be cognizant of it. Help us, dear Lord God, to recognize it. Help us to win that battle, Lord, by winning the battle of the mind. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.